it's the end of 2021, so we've just got three geeks here today who are going to reflect on what we did and what we learned in 2021 and what we're looking forward to in 2022, and actually a little bit about what we're looking forward to in the last two days of 2021 on this episode of the Learning Geeks podcast starting now. And not so t- a subtle teaser for the Book of Boba Fett, December 29th. Oh, I cannot wait I cannot for that. wait either. Book of what? <laughs> <laughs> this guy, he's Boba Fett. Yeah, a lot of people thought he was overrated, including Bob Gerard. I thought that Boba Fett was way overrated until he showed up on The Mandalorian. And then I totally became a Boba fan in all the episodes that he showed up in. Amazing. So does he live in Chicago? I, uh... <laughs> Just Still trying kidding. to figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm the same way. I thought I, I, I wasn't super excited about like, oh, we're, they're bringing back Boba yeah. Fett. I'm like, who cares? Yeah. Like, All right, fine, whatever. But now that I see who he is, I'm like, yes, keep bringing him back, <laughs> please. <laughs> So it's all good. the backstory stuff, right? I mean, yeah, th- th- and they do that a lot. Marvel does that too. They, they tell a story and then they say, well, wait a minute. We introduced this character, but we didn't give you the background. So let's get the backstory. And for, and then they, sure. there's a whole story arc related to that backstory. Yeah, great. exactly. And then they throw out that whole backstory when they, you know, they uncanonize the legends. And <laughs> <laughs> they make a new one, which I think is ultimately what happened here. But it's all good. It's all good. It's great. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, as we record this, we are almost done with the Hawkeye Marvel series. So oh, that has improved. Series. That has improved. It was really good. Episode five. We'll, we'll go spoiler free on that. So we'll just say that we all really liked. We really liked it. Episode yeah. five. Um, and I want two more episodes beyond six at this point. Yeah, right. Initially, I didn't, but now we're to the point. I was going to say, this, that's a good more. thing from you, because at the beginning, you mentioned yeah, how you, were you felt it was a little slow. Yeah, I was a little disappointed. A little bearish it. on the Hawkeye. I ex- expected a little bit more, but that's good. Yeah. And then, um, Jake, you went to see Spider-Man I last did night, last right? night. So um, if I sound a little little off today, it's because I, I don't think I went to bed until like... I was after midnight. I think I got home around 11 something, but whenever you get home, you start reading and watching stuff to recap and you thought about it for a while. But overall, no spoilers, but overall really good. I thought they summarized it really well, brought all of the stuff together from the past movies. And I thought it was a good standalone movie in general. Like you didn't really have to know all of the other movies to get to really enjoy it. And I thought they did that well. Yeah. And then Dana, you're going like right after we we record this. I am. Right? We finished this. We finished this podcast, and I am out the door. My uh, son-in-law came to Julie and I yesterday or two days ago and said, um, "Rebecca's working, but I really want to see Spider-Man. You guys want to come with?" <laughs> yeah, sure. Yes. Well, I and as I told both of you yesterday, I said I don't think that we're going to be able to get to it until we get to Chicago. Uh, we're all going to Chicago for the holidays, and we're leaving, you know, like five days from now. And after you said, uh, you know, I don't think we can hold off on talking about it that long. I went ahead and bought a ticket for tomorrow morning. <laughs> so oh, I will see it tomorrow morning. Sher- Sherry, good. not so interested. She's like, eh, I don't really need to see Spider-Man right away, which is a clear sign that she would love it. Um, and I probably should be dragging her to it. But I was like, no, that's OK. We can watch that on uh, we can watch that, uh, you know, on video later. But we're yeah. also excited for the Matrix Resurrection. 
we've got tickets for that on uh, on Christmas Day. Oh, well, good. And Julie and I are interested in, and we'll see in the next couple of days, um, West Side Story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. To see how that goes. I mean, it's Spielberg, you know. Spielberg does, movie. Got great reviews, so. kind of tanked at the box office. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have a love-hate relationship with West Side Story with the musical. I, I, I think it's quality art, but it just leaves me so depressed. Yeah. I walk out of there just feeling sad. I'm just like, huh. <laughs> I'll go see it, though, at some point. Well, but, go, and, go and see it and then watch some Hallmark holiday movie, and it, it, those always have happy endings. And you're, I'll cheer yeah. up, for sure. Yeah. That'd be great. Uh, but aside, I was going to say, that's not what we're here to talk about, but of course, that's always what we're here to talk about. But let's talk about mm-hmm. learning stuff. So it's been a big year, really, I think, for all three of us. And we're just each going to take a few minutes and talk about what we learned last year and what we're looking forward to next year. So uh, let me spin the bottle here. And it's pointing at Jake. Oh, all right. Yeah, you want to start Great. first, so, Yeah. Yeah, so I have I have two things. And, you know, just for listeners, too, like, again, this is our tradition. We do this and we've done this every year. And uh, yeah, so I have two things, one, one bigger and one uh, smaller item. But the, the first thing that I've learned, um, I guess I, you know, I, I put it down, the title is like dual obligations. And what I meant by that is that we are like trying how to manage the idea that we have to deliver results and develop people at the same time. And, you know, why am I thinking this is mainly because of the pandemic in general, but um, it's, I think it's, time has moved very differently in the pandemic. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but like, it feels like it's ticking incredibly fast than it ever was before, yet at the same time, never ending. (laughs) So (laughs) it's just a really weird thing. So, and what that does, I think, is it has been increasing the pressure to get things done because it never feels like you can actually complete it all. So there's always something to do, someone who wants it and in and someone who like actually needs it now because again there's another wave of changes that are going to be coming our way and you have to be prepared. So there's just there's always this pressure to get things done and so that that's one thing and the other thing is that there's this pressure that or this pressure also disrupts the other aspect of what I'm truly passionate about and that is people development, you know, for others as well as myself. So again, this is that dual obligation thing that I've, I realized that uh, has been, not necessarily, a, it's been a struggle, but also something I've been really focusing on this year and, and also really aware of. So earlier this year, myself, along with, you know, my colleagues, uh, Lisa Christensen, who we've had on the show, Heather Stefanski, Matt Smith, we published an article on a modern take on apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it stems from an early episode, you know, we had on cognitive apprenticeship, but also how to create a structure that consistently encourages ongoing development through modern apprenticeship skills. So as I've been working with our internal teams and functions on how to actually do this, many of of the people that I've been working with can really truly understand and feel what it's like to struggle with this dual obligation issue. And, And again, about how to deliver results and develop people. But more often than not, delivering results usually wins out you know, get that task done, get that thing done. So, but when we do that though, we're actually casting aside the learning opportunity. And so the more we do it, all those opportunities stack up and and it's quickly. Again, like I said, the pandemic just feels like it's going so fast, but yet 
so slow. So for me personally, I've been trying to work really hard on what it means for me and the people I work with and how I personally been trying to foster an environment when those dual obligations are not necessarily seen as two separate things, but now as one thing. So that's really what was the thing. I'm trying to think of it as how is this one one in the same? And it's, you know, it's symbiotic, meaning that if I'm not intentional on developing others or myself when those moments arise, it will actually take more time to do our job and tasks well. And I think most importantly, do them with meaning and purpose. Hmm. So it, it it is, it's kind of like, you know, you, we want to rush off to the task, but at the end of the day, if, if we're losing out on these opportunities, it's actually going to take more time in general. So just a couple examples of things that I've been trying to do. Um, I've shared this before, but I, you know, I lead our research and innovation learning lab. And one of the things I do on the projects, I start every project with an idea napkin. And in one of those questions that I ask people, the, the, the folks that are going to be leading that project is to identify their own learning goals for the project. You know, right off the bat, I want to make it clear that, yes, we're going to try to add value for the organization in whatever research we're doing or experiment we're doing, but also it's value to you personally, your growth. So right off the bat. So that's one kind of thing I've been working on and learning and, and trying to do more often. The second thing I've been doing is trying to manufacture these uh, um, project pitches, I'm calling them, so like project pinch, uh, project pitch interventions throughout a project life cycle for those working on any R&I project. And they're very similar to like the brain, ch- a brain trust concept from Pixar, where you get people an opportunity to get their ideas out, their thinking out, you know, regardless of whatever state it is in, and then have pitch it to people, get some really true, honest feedback. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, while they're doing this, they're solidifying their own learning of the subject through articulation as they present. And this allows them to keep progress of the overall task and deliverable, again, still feel like they're achieving something, but at the same time, get them to re- reconnect to the whole reason of why they're doing this project, to learn something new, bring it, you know, bring them right back to that idea napkin that they did with their learning goals. And then, you know, the last example I'll share on that is just, I've learned to value expertise regardless of the tenure or in the, like, so regardless in the tenure of your organization or years in the field. So anyone that I work with, I deliberately attempt to abstract or pull anything away that I can from them just to learn from them. Like whatever they're doing in the process of working a task, what can I learn from you? How do I set aside minutes in just a one-on-one to focus on asking the right questions, replaying things back, requesting feedback? So traditionally, I may be seen as the teacher of that project because I'm leading it, but I'm just as much of a learner as well. So I have, I don't have the answers to everything, and I, I, I realize that these individuals have more answers than I do because they're probably more of an expert because they've gotten to the research or they come from a different place where they just have different skill sets than I do. So I'm just trying to figure out more and more opportunities and at the end of the day that where I see these this dual obligation as one thing and developing people because it's a passion area of mind and I can be both a teacher and a learner to them or a learner myself and a teacher to them but spending that effort and time actually will save time in the long run yeah. and help everything at the end of the day. 
So that was kind of my one of my big things that I've been working on. I wouldn't say I'd necessarily it's like my aha moment or anything, but it's just something I've been really trying to learn and and get better at yeah. throughout the whole year. Jacob, it's funny when you first started talking, I visualized you know the meme with the cartoon or the comic version of Batman where he's smacking Robin. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, and then he's yeah, always yeah, saying yeah. so it's like something really obvious. And, yeah, and yeah. I, I pictured like Batman smacking Robin and saying, It's a false dichotomy. <laughs> right? Like it, it doesn't have to be adding value or you know delivering results or developing people like they yeah. can both happen at the same time but then i realized i didn't need to uh robin smack you uh because y- y'all are already there with with all of the apprenticeship and cognitive apprenticeship and all that kind of stuff but it, I, I think that just highlights that is a mindset shift for organizations right that that you can deliver results and be developing people at the same time but that is still something that you really need to be mindful of and just believe that that's true before you start all of your little programs and interventions and things like that that Dana and I have been working on for the last year. Yeah. And a lot of that is being intentional, right? And Jake, yep. that you're in your example, right? Yeah. The intention there is brought to the surface just by asking the question. And a lot of times we go without that intentionality. And, and really that even from myself that I've been, you know, working in this apprenticeship field and in, in space for a while. Um, and again, trying to apply it myself, it's, you still have to do it. <laughs> you still yeah. have to, it's still very easy to say, uh, go off and just get that stuff done. It's really easy, but you have to keep on thinking about, okay, I have to be intentional. I have to be deliberate about doing this. I have to make sure that when I have some time with an individual, even though if I have a, a call coming up, let's take 10 minutes to actually use that time to reflect a little bit. Or how can I, like, I, you know, those examples I share I shared, I'm purposely putting in little types of interventions throughout a project lifecycle to ensure that there's teaching and learning to happen, you know, throughout. But yeah. again, it, it does require a lot of attention. I've thought, and I've said before, that I would, out of my own pocket, buy a learning journal for everybody in Accenture if I knew that they would use it. Now that we're at 674000 I don't think I'm going to make that much. <laughs> Your stock price has just gone up, so maybe you It still did help, but it's still not going to help me come up with over, you know, a half mil minimum to do something like that, that you know, so, but yeah, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. We know that if you take the time after doing anything to reflect on it for a few minutes and write about it for a little bit and do, you know, like the what squares activity, Dana, uh, mm-hmm. that that's going to make all of the difference with learning. But, mm-hmm. you know, but it's hard to do unless you're devoted to it. Well, it's interesting because I've been reading a book and it's a book I've read before. But um, I, the first time I read it, it was like I had this task in mind. I wanted to read the book in six days and I got through it and I learned a bunch of stuff going through it. But now I'm reading it more thoughtfully. And there are times when I'll read a paragraph and I'll get to the next paragraph and I'll go, you know what? I missed some stuff there Mm -hmm. and I'll back up and I'll reread it. And sometimes I'm rereading some of the paragraphs three and four and five times, but I'm doing more processing going, I don't quite get this. Okay. There's this connection. And um, so again, there's this intentionality that uh, we talked about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's like when you get your black belt in Taekwondo, at least, what we did in our school is the day after you get your black belt, you come back in, you start over with the white belt curriculum. Yeah. But this time it's a lot more, it's a lot more intense. Believe me. 
Jake, did you have more? Actually, let's spin the wheel. I'll keep that one, okay. the other one, just in case. Okay, well, you spin um, you spin the wheel and tell us where right, it lands. Bob. Oh, wow, okay. So this is, is not quite as deep as what you talked about, Jake, but it's <laughs> it, VR, baby. It's finally here. And I figured that would be it. Yeah, yeah it, it's so excited. And, and you guys have heard this story before, but I don't think our listeners have. Like, we started getting excited about using virtual reality for our people to learn almost 25 years ago. And the very first version of it that we did was a text-based uh, multi-user dungeon but it was a representation of our learning center in St. Charles, Illinois. And so, you know, it was all text-based. This was before computers could really do graphics. They couldn't do pictures. It was only words. So, you know, it would write up on the screen, you're in a long hallway and to your right is the COBOL programming lab. And you would type in enter lab. And it would say, there is a lab advisor here who is willing to help you. And there actually was a lab advisor there. It was another person behind their computer and, it turned into a chat room, but you could get help on your COBOL program. And it was super cool for people who were into the visualizing and the role play, right? Like you could say, okay, sit down on couch, grab coffee, ask a question. And it, it was super fun. But again, nobody was into it. There were maybe 10 of us who thought it was cool. But it did forecast that someday virtual reality was going to be like what we were reading in the science fiction books at the time, what we were reading in Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash and um, William Gibson's Neuromancer and all of his work. It was someday going to be there. And when it got to that point, there really was going to be room and a necessity for people to learn in an environment like this. And we made all sorts of runs at it over the years. I think I presented at multiple conferences about, hey, we just did it again. We tried it again. Here's the results of our experiment. At the end of the day, the technology is just not quite there yet, or the price point is just not quite there yet. Uh, so stay tuned. Soup's not on yet. Well, we finally, in the last year, uh, we looked at this and we said, you know, maybe technology and price point is not quite there yet, but the snowball is so close to the top of the mountain that if we give it a shove, then we can get it rolling down the other side. And so we uh, made a big investment and I'm not gonna talk in details about that for various reasons, but uh, you can Google and you can you know hear the stories about what we did. Um, it, it is just something that is so exciting to me. And I will tell you the thing that is, is most amazing is I, of course, am a nerd. I'm into the gaming aspects of it. I love putting on my Oculus Quest 2 and playing Beat Saber or, you know, like the, the Star Wars Vader Immortal and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Shocker. Like, that's all really good. What actually stirs my heart is uh, getting into a virtual environment with a whole bunch of other Accenture people who are just showing up as cartoony avatars and seeing two people approach each other and recognize each other from their avatars and say, how are you doing? I haven't seen you since before the pandemic. You look great. Like how's <laughs> things going and, and hearing that connection as if they're really there. And that is just absolutely incredible. So 
as we keep moving forward and um i coined a new term yesterday you guys ready to hear this i'm here ready okay the term is omni-connected learning environment so for various reasons, I was skimming through things and I saw something about our connected classrooms because, you know, we had that offering, again, something that you can Google. And uh, I said, oh, like this is connected classroom 2.0 that we're building. But then I said, no, you know what? It's not a classroom. It's really a learning environment because it doesn't have to be a classroom. It could be a forest. It could be a cloud. You know, it could be held in any environment that you want by doing it in virtual reality. And omni-connected is what we're calling the idea that you can connect with other people from wherever you are, uh, however mm-hmm. you might do it. So, so the idea which is coming up next year of us doing more learning experiences in these omni-connected learning environments, we're starting to do some of those. It's super exciting, and the future is is fantastic there. So thrilled about that. So I, Bob, I had an ex, I had an experience the other day, and it was one that you hosted. Um, it was a, a holiday party with uh, in a geography called the West, right? So our company yeah. divides uh, up in the country into different geographies, and yeah, North America is all yeah. different chunks. And so yeah. this chunk was the West's holiday party. And uh, I don't know how many people were on that in that particular thing. I was in, I think, the, one of the early groups. And uh, so yeah. I was there and I just bumped into the head of the West practice. Um, and we, ch- we chatted a little bit. We had a little discussion. Now, in a regular yeah. environment, had we all been physically together in a networking event, he, he, he wouldn't have paid attention to me. He would have been, would swamped. Have been swamped. Right. right. Yeah. But yeah. he, he yeah. just happened to be standing next to me and he said, oh, hi. And I, hi, hi. And. He goes, how do I identify who you are? And I said, well, you have to pull your little trigger. And so I'm explaining to him how to use some of this stuff. <laughs> how do I teleport? And, and I, as I was demonstrating him how to teleport, I accidentally teleported. So I couldn't talk to him anymore. But Go yeah, right through. anyway, it, yeah. was, it was an interesting experience because I think part of what we're learning about VR through all of the stuff that, that the team's been doing is that the sense of presence is very real. Yeah, uh, You can be in, even though you're an avatar, you know, you can be standing in between someone who's from India and someone who's from uh, BA and someone who's from Paris, and you're all just standing around talking. And there's this sense that you're all physically together, even though, you you know, in your head, you know, you're not because you're looking at somebody's avatar, but you're talking like you are. So uh, anyway, just I thought I'd drop that little nugget in there because it was uh, it was fun to meet the head of the West practice in a virtual environment. Yeah. Yeah, it really is a, a equalizing environment. It levels the playing field, which is just fantastic. It so. does, and it, it there to that idea of presence. There's this weird thing about it. I I've still have not figured it out yet. Like, why does it feel that way? Um, but it does. Um, but I do have to ask. I guess both of your avatars. Is it meant to look like you, or did you guys go all different? We're having lots of conversations about that, Jake. It's really interesting. So my avatar looks like me, except I have purple hair and a purple goatee. Mine looks kind of like me, but I have more hair on my head because I didn't have the <laughs> option of doing just the side. Yeah. yeah. It, and I look thinner too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm totally buff as an avatar. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but Jake, here, here's an interesting thing that we've been talking about in that regard is you know, social norms and policies and all that kind of stuff around metaverse connections are going to continue. We've we've got to figure them out and we're still in the middle of figuring out Uh, until we have something more solid. 
we're just saying your avatar is you. So you shouldn't say anything to anybody else's avatar that you wouldn't say to them in real life. You shouldn't do anything to their avatar that you wouldn't do to them in real mm -hmm. life. And you know, it's it's against our code of business yeah. ethics if you if you do something different. So, but we notice a phenomenon of like avatars coming up and not looking like the person and kind of getting ribbed a little bit, right? Like, oh, you don't look like you. Well, here's a scenario, right? Is like, what if somebody comes up with their avatar and the gender of their avatar is not their assigned avatar, their assigned mm -hmm. gender that you think of them as, and you're like, oh, your avatar, like, why are you being a girl when you're really a guy? But really what's happened is that person has decided to come out, you know, and is using the avatar as their chance to experience what it's like to be a different gender or, you know, or to say that this is how I identify. Um, that could really be a sticky situation. So these are all like really, really interesting things. And we've been talking about that. Should your avatar look like you? Should it look like something different? Right now, there's some balance of, of well, again, we're trying to figure out what that is, but just acknowledging there's a lot of self-expression that goes into how you represent your avatar. And that's something that we should yep. respect. But we could go for hours, and this this conversation's already going long, and we haven't even heard from Dana yet. So we better we better get wait, to wait, the man. spin it, spin it, and see if it actually lands on me. Oh, okay. Oh, Jake, Jake got Jake again. No, we don't want to hear from him. Okay, Dana, it's you. Well, I have not thought as deeply about this as either of you have. I was just winging all oh, okay. that. Okay, well, I'll wing listen. it a little bit. There, actually, there's a lot of things I've learned this year, and a lot of them focus on the fact that I moved from Chicago out here and went through the home buying process. And um, so I'll just touch on that one lightly, but then I'll touch on a work-related one. The the thing I learned about moving out here is the importance of personal connection, and um, you know, moving closer to family, um, get to see the kids and the granddaughter on a regular basis. But it's been interesting because in addition to that. I've had, uh, so, so my, my sister and her husband came out, my brother and his wife came out. And, and so, you know, the, my family traveled from Wisconsin out to Utah for visits and actually stayed, you know, normally when we're there, you'd visit for an hour and, you know, birthday party's over, so you head home. But spending, uh, you know, more elaborate time and quality time has been great. But then in addition, We've had people like um, you guys both know MJ and Lolly from ATD. Mm -hmm. Well, they were out here mm -hmm. for the conference and they swung by. And then uh, Elliot, Maisie, and Kathy, they came and yeah. swung by, right? And so getting all of these personal connections uh, you know, in, in our home that have just, it's been great to strengthen them. So I, I guess this is a, hey, why haven't you guys come out yet? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, the time will come. We'll take you on a mountain tour. It will. But anyway, the, the importance of personal connection, I think, has been one thing that I've had reinforced. The other thing on the, yeah. on the professional side, and I know you guys will both relate to this, and, and this isn't necessarily something I've learned, but it's something I've relearned, and that is the criticality of basics in our profession. Um, we have, mm -hmm. we have, on a regular basis, we have new people joining our learning organization. And many of them don't know what durable learning is. Um, many of them have never heard some of the terms we've talked about on our podcast, like cognitive artifacts or the notion of being learner centric or, uh, you know, one we've been hitting on lately, the whole idea of cognitive load. Mm -hmm. And um, and even those who have heard these things, often it's just easy to just kind of forget about them or 
um, not pay as much attention to them because you're being pulled in a different direction. So part of that, the my relearning of that is, uh, you know, I'll get on calls and I'll start talking about these things. And in some cases, it's like, yeah, yeah you know, we just haven't paid as much attention to it. Or, um, hmm, that's new. Do you have any more information? I was on a call yesterday with someone who says, yeah, I'm really interested in learning sciences. Do you have any background on that, that I, you know, anything I can read? Except, oh, yes, I do, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I've got a lot you can read. And, uh, you know, give me another call after you've read through some of the stuff. So. Um, you know, there are certain basics in our profession that we just need to continue to pay attention to, even though we might know them like the back of our hands. Uh, we need yeah. to make sure that other people are learning them and that and that we're applying them too. So, uh, importance, personal connection, and criticality of basics in our profession. Yeah, I, I like that, Dan. That that last one, especially, I've actually been reflecting on that as well uh, recently. And how sometimes maybe it again maybe it's expertise bias like we've been in here Could for be. so long yeah. and 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 we have mm. um, we we expect I think that more individuals that are in this field or even surrounded in some way have that base knowledge but it's not always true they come from different areas and they have expertises in different subject areas or topics and um, and there's a I think a one big aspect of our role is 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 around teaching that and yeah. and doing it in a way that yeah. is approachable and not come across as like we know it all and because we don't first of all but also it's a com there's a it's a complex subject and it's a space that we all have grown up in learning in some way but we have just there's that other layer that we have gone deeper into and then we have to figure out how to teach it more effectively well, and the three of us are fortunate because, you know, we have this opportunity to do these podcasts, which brings these things to mind on a regular basis. We get to explore them more deeply. We bring in experts. And so, I mean, we're constantly on the the upramp of learning um, and learning how to apply. So I, I agree. I think we have an obligation to continue to, to, uh, to teach others. And one of our mechanisms of doing that is through these podcasts. Yep. Well, it's been a weird year, guys. I, I remember you this time, this time last year, thinking, "Oh, a year from now, you yeah. know, <laughs> everybody will be vaccinated and COVID will be gone. We'll be a hundred percent back to normal." And here we are. We're jumping with uh, right into the heart of of the Omicron variant and the breakout and all that kind of stuff. In, in that regard, we should we should mention this too because we wanted to announce this today. Is We've been talking for a while about doing a field trip out to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland in February. We were just talking about it in the green room here before we recorded, and we realized it would probably be irresponsible of us to continue with that February date. So we're going to look to reschedule our Learning Geeks field trip to sometime early summer. Cross your fingers that, you know, life will be better uh, virus-wise and all that kind of stuff. But if you are somebody who happened to say, I was counting on that, I've already bought airline tickets, or I'm planning on going, or anything like that, please let me know. Reach out to me, because what I will do is on February 25th, it would be, right? Friday, the February 25th. Uh, I will do a dry run. No, let's call it a pilot. I will do a pilot of the experience that I wanted to design for our field trip. So anybody who wants to help me and be a participant in that pilot and give me feedback and help me craft it, 
would be great. And at worst, we'll just go to Disneyland together on the 25th. <laughs> but that's if you already have plan. Well, anybody's welcome to come. If you can make it out here, that would be great. Please just let me know. But stay tuned, and we will announce dates soon for the more official field trip when Dana and Jake will get out here and we can all go and learn what we can learn from our friends in Disney Imagineering. Yep. Well, again, it's been a great year. Yeah, guys. Super fun doing these podcasts with you. I'm thankful and appreciative of both a of you. A weird year, but a good year. I agree. Absolutely. And here's here's for another good year, but less weird. <laughs> <laughs> May your 2022 right. be less weird than your 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw somebody, somebody last week say, you know, 2022 sounds scarily like 2022. <laughs> also, yeah. <laughs> Also. Like Jaws, yeah, yeah. Or, or Jaws, oh, Jaws 2, yeah. or Rocky yeah. 2, 2022. Two. So I'm being very careful to say 2022. <laughs> really super fast. And we'll see everybody back there again in 2022. So uh, we are also appreciative of you, our listeners. So keep tuning in. Keep responding. LinkedIn, obviously, is, I think, the best place to get a hold of us. Uh, but you can use any of the Internet's channels. And we look forward to spending 2022 with you, too. Two-two. Lots of twos in there. Lots of twos. All right. We'll see you on our next Learning Geeks podcast coming soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, all. Thanks, all.